Welcome to the Andy Staple Show. It's a very special Dear Andy, Dear Ari, Dear Nicole edition. Nicole is back. It's like Fridays during the fall, except it's the Friday before Selection Sunday. Nicole, you just recorded a basketball power hour with Chantel Jennings, and you got you got a, another basketball power hour next week in honor of the tourney. Yes. We'll hopefully have some tips and strategies and upset picks, final four contenders. Might need to just have Ari send in a voice memo of who he's betting just so we know. I would I would I would like to have that on the record on power. I want to know why too. That's I want the reasoning behind it. Does Ari it's not, Ari it's do not you exciting. Have yeah, I, I uh I tail people who are good at it. I, I it's not my thought process. That's, I couldn't name ten players in that in college that's basketball. Boring. See that uh, that is a boring answer. Well, I want to try to win money. <laughs> I mean, if I did it on my own, I'd be dead. I, I wouldn't well, I wouldn't know where to begin. Like for instance, Rutgers is beating Michigan right now. Who saw that coming? Well, anybody entire, who watched the Big Ten? Yeah, the, the entire like non-Purdue portion of the Big Ten has been wildly unpredictable and basically the same. Yeah. Rutgers is out to a nine-one run in the second half. Uh, who is I think Rutgers, this is a time to, Who is Rutgers' coach, Ari? I couldn't. If you, I don't know. How am I supposed to? I don't know Michigan's coach. Steve Peichel. You know <laughs> Michigan's coach. Juwan Howard. Juwan I know, Howard. I know. I'm kidding. But yeah, Steve I'm Peichel, kidding. he's awesome. He's doing a great job at Rutgers. I know two head coaches or three head I know Bill Self at Kansas. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to like not coaching tonight. Our, yeah, he's got an illness. On Thursday, I know one less because Jim Beheim's no longer the head coach there um, at Syracuse. And I know Coach Cal, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um I don't even know Arizona's head coach. And Sean Miller is not the coach anymore. Tommy I don't know Lloyd. Who, yeah, I, I didn't know that. He's very good, by the way. Very good. Arizona's yeah. back, baby. But I love watching it when I got some got some juice on the side, but it's not like I'm the one creating the juice. I'm not stepping on the oranges. I'm drinking it out of the carton. <laughs> okay, we'll have actual <laughs> experts on Power Hour next week to help. Andy, I know, <laughs> I know you're going on vacation, but are we going to have our grab-ass March Madness? No. I'm going to be on a boat. I'm going to be in international uh, waters. I'm, that's one of my favorite shows of the year. I'm sad. I know. We could we could probably record it now. Like, yeah, I can I can basically guess what, what the field's going to be with with maybe a few non bid thieves. We don't have matchups, so <laughs> it'd be funny if we recorded it before you left using the final uh, bracketology and just <laughs> ran that. Just, <laughs> how many like, people who really listen to the show would know? That's the, I know. That's the question. That's the bit, though. It's not like you're gaining any information from us anyway. So who cares if it's the real bracket? True. That is true. All right. Nicole, I, I am so impressed with what you're doing right now because for those who read Nicole regularly, you know she is the person, if someone goes viral during a college sports event, she tracks their ass down and tells their life story. You are now pre-writing these. You, you got a story of David Shriver from VCU, and when VCU makes the tourney and David Shriver inevitably goes off for like 26 in a first-round game, the story's already there. So he is uh, long hair, long hair, strag- mm-hmm. straggly hair. It's, it's a mustache, um, just chucks up threes, makes a lot of them. He's over double digits in their opening game as that's unfolding while we're recording right now. Um, let me just read you this quote. You you will fall in love with him. This is from his former Hartford coach because he went D2 to Hartford to VCU. I knew he'd have a fan club, fan club because of what he brings to the table is so unique. He's 6'7", 225 pounds. He's this cheerful, incredibly charismatic mountain man who just drains threes from anywhere on the floor. Who's not going to love that? So yes, we need VCU to make the tournament the weird Part about this is the A-10 is not nearly as strong as it is. And usually probably need to win, get the auto bid, but you are going to love him. David Shriver's our guy. We love him. We love his story from a really small town in, in West Virginia, started at the D2 school in his hometown. And yes, it's just very fun to watch this guy drain threes from all over the court. I think this it, would it, be an interesting piece of content for the show, Andy, because I'm very curious. Like Nicole... When somebody comes on television and falls through the hedges or is reading a book or whatever, yes. those stories that you do, I've always wondered, like, what is the, when it's just a random person in a big stadium? Like, what is step one to finding that person? Okay, so I'm going to give the example. Do the, do of the, the LSU one. Well, the LSU when one. She stared at the camera. Yeah, she, the LSU she, stare at the camera girl. 
so she was pretty active on social media. I want to tell you guys the story of the Kansas crocheter because she oh, was yes, not please. active on social media. That one's the hardest <laughs> yeah. one. So, so basically, so for like LSU, you know, I'm going to each of the major accounts posts about it, right? If they're making a joke or they're sharing the video, I'm looking at all the replies and looking at all the quote tweets because someone is going to tag the person, right? And they're going to be like, oh my knows. God, yeah. it's you, right? So it could take days. Well, it could take hours, but you're sifting through all of the main channels that have posted these things. So for the Kansas crocheting girl, now she was like the only person at this section that she was in. It was a Kansas, I think it was a Kansas, Oklahoma game in a weather delay. And she's just crocheting. (laughs) Now, unsurprisingly, she is not very active on social media. So I was looking at people were making Kansas football jokes so a few years ago, well before the turnaround, and people weren't tagging anyone. They were just making jokes. And I, I'm sifting, I'm sifting, I'm sifting, I'm sifting, I'm sifting. Um, and I eventually find someone replying and saying, oh, I know that girl. She lived in my dorm, on my floor of my dorm, um, and she knits for, knits things for homeless people. She's really nice. Oh, that's nothing. so sweet. No name, nothing. Yeah. So, um, also, part of the search that helped was I have knit things in the past. Like I, I can knit, and I've knit scarves. And you're a knitter. And things. I'm a knitter, and I knew that she wasn't knitting; she was crocheting because she only had the one needle. So I was also searching the correct terminology. So anyway, once I see that that tidbit, the only the only lead was that this this person had lived on her floor. I tweeted at that person; they never responded. But I start Googling student-run organizations about knitting things for homeless people and found an organization that was like on the KU website started by a student. So I cold email the email associated, and it's her. And then she agrees to wow. chat. That's really good. That's good reporting. That is amazing. Yeah. I, yeah. The, the, the feeling, and we've all had this, the feeling you get when you send something out kind of blind like to a, a random email address or a phone number that you've been told may or may not work. And it turns out to be the person you're actually looking for. And it's the feeling. Bishop Sycamore guy. Oh my uh, God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't remember who found his number, but I just called him and he's like, hello. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you answered? <laughs> Why? Yeah. yeah. That, uh, the, the head coach's name is escaping me, but, uh, Roy, that, that, uh, yeah, Roy. Yeah. Oh, good old Roy. But yeah, I always like because like the thing that I think is awesome, Nicole, is that like I'm the type of person not to sound negative, but it's like if somebody falls in the hedges or gets like I don't care about their life story. Like I would think I didn't a care, lot but people, the way you do it. A lot of people do, which is the funny. I know, but I'm saying the way that this. you do it makes it funny and interesting. So like it, yeah. it is hilarious of like wh- like, you know, I've seen like the Instagram account of people in the New York subway or people of New York. It's like yes. random people in random college football stadiums too is is a really so, funny. So the first story of that of that kind that I ever did was there was an NC State basketball win and they stormed the court and then someone in a wheelchair stormed the court as part of the court storm and like that part <laughs> went viral and so I talked to the the kid in the wheelchair. And, and and people loved the story. They just were so interested oh, yeah. in everything that led that person well, to do that and how it physically worked in a court storm. And no matter and those, what they do with the college football rules, playoff, whatever, that type of stuff is always going to be there. Well, and, and those people endure. Like you mentioned NC State. As, as soon as someone mentions NC State to me, the first image that pops into my mind is not Philip Rivers or, or Mario Williams or anybody. It is... When they beat Florida State in 2012, that dude, the j- big, big, tubby, blonde-haired dude, shirtless, on a pole, following the commands of Petey Pablo and spinning his shirt around his head like a helicopter. There <laughs> are, there are, are so many of those. I mean, because you, like you get, and you just said like the L- LSU Death Stare girl. Like I've talked to Love the crying Piccolo. The Villanova Piccolo girl. Oh. Um, very excited for her, by the way. So she obviously was crying when she went viral. She went to the Final Four with with Villanova the next year when they won it all. So there was a happy mm-hmm. ending to that story. But yeah, I mean, like these are all iconic moments. And one of the most the the smallest world of all of these is like 
one of the gifts that's always gets circulated, and especially now that Northwestern is like playing well and they're going to be in the tournament, is the crying Northwestern kid who is actually ACC commissioner Jim Phillips' son. And he's like an adult <laughs> now. He's actually done like NIL deals to raise money to help other people off of that gift, which is awesome. That's awesome. hilarious. Yeah. So what you need to do is bring all these people together. Do you remember the Weezer video in the early part of YouTube, probably like 2007? YouTube's like two, three years old. And they brought together everyone who had gone viral on YouTube. Like they had they had the Leave Britney Alone guy and they had some of the other people that just went super, you know, supernova on YouTube. You got to bring those people. Like you need Death there to meet Crochet Girl. Jim Phillips' son can kind of be the MC of the whole thing. It's it, You got to do this. I should. I should. I also like follow all of them on social media still and sometimes check in with them. <laughs> of course. Of course. See? And that's that's what a good reporter does. You, just because the story's over doesn't mean the relationship ends. Because you, this is you true. never Even know. Even when they're once-in-a-lifetime viral moments, you never know. Exactly. All right, guys. We are going to answer some viewer slash listener slash reader questions today. I have uh, I've picked out a few. One, I have a feeling we're going to go a lot of different directions with this. So I even cut clips just in case we, we veer into another conference. But our first question comes from Ryan. And he says, which is more important to the Big 12 and fans, making it to the college football playoff or having the third best conference in college athletics in 10 years? If the Big 12 adds schools, the four corners amongst others, it would cripple the Pac-12 and likely leave the Big 12 as the third major conference down the road. And this person says, I believe the SEC will eventually take the top layer of the ACC. But in the meantime, adding more schools hurts each current school's opportunity to win the conference in football and secure the almost auto bid. Which is better? We can't have it both ways. It's an interesting I, thought. I had this. I'd not heard anybody ask it that way before. Um... I mean, I guess the entire point is to compete at a high level and root for something. But I feel like having stability in a recognizable conference should take priority during times of uncertainty, right? Yes, I, I think so, especially given that, was it 2021, SEC Media Day, so July 2021, when we found out Texas and Oklahoma were leaving the Big 12, they were thinking pure survival at that point. Now yes. it feels like they're in a much more advantageous situation. But I will, I, I, it, interestingly enough, and I, I did look into this a few weeks or toward the end of the season because I was curious when the playoff expanded how things were going to look. And yes, the Big 12 champ's going to get in every year with, with one of those automatic bids. But I would, I would argue the Big 12's runner-up is going to get in most years too. I think there there would have only been one year where the Big Twelve didn't get at least two teams into the into a twelve team playoff. Yeah, I think the the bigger issue when you crunch all those numbers is usually the ACC because it was Clemson and then a huge gap in most of those years. If you look over like the last nine years, I, I think it, the answer is probably stability, right? Because yeah, what everyone is doing right now is trying to secure their present and their future. Like they're trying to figure out where can I be best positioned to continue to have money flowing in that I can compete at the highest level possible. And, and like, that's part of the reason when we think about like the idea of a power two year over year, the money that the big 10 and the sec schools are going to be bringing in is going to pile upon itself. Like a $30 million gap or whatever it is, is going to be then 60 the next year. Like you're, you're going to see it in salaries, maybe assistant coach movement, a lot of other areas when they continue to, to stratify. But if you are trying to figure out like, in terms of your survival or, or what this could look like. And you think that there is going to be a third league. Um, you know, you, you want to be it. You want to be the one driving the, the decision-making like part of realignment and all of this. And I think it even spills over into the ACC on revenue, uh, unequal revenue conversation is like, everyone is worried about themselves more than they are their conference, more than they are college sports at large these days. And I understand why, but it also creates a dynamic where like, you don't want to be the last one on a sinking ship, which is why some people make jumps and move conferences and always have, even if it, you know, if you think in 10 years, you might look back and be like, Oh, that's, that's kind of a strange, that was a strange move. You want to be in a league. That's an aggressor, not reacting to others. And you also want to be valued. Right. And so like all of this is coming into 
play where you even have ACC schools being like, hey, we deserve more. But everyone's members of a league for a reason, but people are kind of not prioritizing being a member in these conferences because they're worried that that may not position them the best for the future. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So I think you bring in the most firepower you can, the most market value, the most, the, the, the best teams also like good football teams help. I, I keep talking about, you know, the Sun Belt and and how they expanded versus how other leagues in the group of five have expanded. I thought the Sun Belt did a marvelous job because all they did was look for people who cared about football a lot. They weren't worried about market size. They just said, Do you have you historically run a decent football program? Do you have a bunch of fans who care about you? And that's who they took. And I think that's what you would and that's what the Big 12 schools are, by the way, the ones that were, were left behind by, by Texas and Oklahoma. Like Oklahoma State fans, Iowa State fans, Kansas State fans, Texas Tech fans, Baylor, Baylor fans, fans, yeah, Baylor fans, but they care deeply about their teams. They're not the biggest fan bases in the world, but they care a lot. And most of those have, at least in the last 20 years, at some point, and some of them very consistently, have put out good football programs. So, but wait, I, I do have a question though uh, about the flip side of that question that we mm-hmm. were asked, that yeah. you were asked, that we're we're not all asked. Like, it does matter. It is going to matter if you are a regular CFP participant, right? Like, yes. part of what if if the if the Pac-12 is able to stabilize, get a media deal, maybe even add a school or two, but like Oregon would have a direct path every single mm-hmm. year. Like, that will matter. That they are yeah. participating in that, that they are, you know, earning income related to the expanded CFP. Like that piece, we just don't know exactly how the dynamic is going to play out because we haven't seen it and we know what it's like to make it in a four team playoff. But like there is going to be quite a bit of value in whoever becomes like, you know, the cream of the crop in whatever right. conference. But but here's here's the thing. And this is this is ties into what we were talking about with the basketball tournament. Is the Pac-12 a one-bid league? Is the new Big 12 a one-bid league? I would argue the new Big 12 is not a one-bid league most years. The new Pac-12 might be a one-bid league. And I mean, I think so, the most important thing, though, is just making sure that your conference has a bid. Like, I would, I would, yeah. Whether it's one or two, I think, is a secondary issue. You want to play in a conference that's as deep and talented as possible. Well, I, I, the I think best two makes games. a big difference, and and well, and two and possibly three makes a huge. But difference. you want to put yourself in a position where, as college football is changing, and the uncertainty of it is continually unvelo- uh, developing, that you're situated in the best possible scenarios. Like, like when I read this question, I think about short term. I don't think about long term. Yeah, like short term gratification of of. Being in the twelve team playoff at the expense of adding better teams to your conference, I think, is a short sighted viewpoint. Like you want to do it as you want to put yourself in a position so that you're in a league that matters in twenty years. Well, and and the thing is, and Nicole, you and I talked about this with our ACC story a few weeks ago. Short term is probably the only way to view it because I think we can feel relatively certain something's going to change in the early twenty thirties when the Big ACC. Ten has another deal, the SEC deal is up. And then the ACC deal is up. Right. And I I think one of the presumptions in the question was that the SEC would gobble up the ACC schools, the best, you know, the most valuable ones. I I think the ACC is the league that has schools that the Big Ten and the SEC would want. Like that creates a a little bit of a feeding frenzy and like that would be an impetus for for moves and, and additions, but they're not available right now. And that's where you talk about this unequal revenue sharing conversation, it's like, well, if you're locked into this long-term deal at a certain price point, you know, ESPN's not just going to give you more money for no reason when they negotiated a deal at a certain point. 
And also you're locked in for a long time, which it's like it's it's the catch 22, but also positive of a long term deal is that these schools haven't been able to leave. It's been two years mm-hmm. and Clemson and Florida State are still in the ACC. North Carolina, Virginia are still in the ACC. So it's like it's just such an interesting dynamic. And, and you're also to Ari's point about access. It, bre- it makes me think back to in that immediate aftermath of Oklahoma and Texas going to the SEC. People weren't sure the Big 12 would stay a power conference and that they would still have access to different things like their peers do. Mm. Guaranteeing access to all of the FBS leagues, like the way that they did it with top six, and it's not even a designated group of five spot, that, in a lot of people's minds, helps stabilize the landscape because everyone does have that access. And if you are the Pac-12 or the Big 12 and you've had members rated and and you're trying to figure out your footing, like you still do have a path to make it every single year and to have access to that thing. So it's just funny how how quickly that's flipped because we had the same kind of conversation, same tone about the Big 12 that yeah. people now use for the Pac-12. Well, well here's so- the thing too, like is there anything that could possibly happen can a conference do anything to stop the train from getting to the destination of two super conferences? Like, can anything be done to stop it? No, I mean, two super conferences starts in 2024. Like, that's already happened. No, no, I'm saying, but like two major conferences that gobble up the leftovers and like are at risk of the scenario that you and Dave and I were talking about. The Big Ten and the SEC can stop that if they decide it's not worth the money to them. That's that's who can stop it. And that's, that's a possibility. And if that happens, then you have more of a semblance of uh, normalcy in the way that we view it now. But the thing that is scary to me, and I haven't been able to sleep since Dave brought it up, was a Big Ten SEC exclusive deal where they only play each other and within themselves and then have their own playoff. And then teams like, you know, TCU or Baylor who are in this discussion are no longer competing with uh the two super conferences. So I, I, I think don't the- necessarily think you can do that without cutting off the bottom and reorganizing. Like you wouldn't, if you're going to do a, an AFC NFC thing where, cause the sec and the big 10 would have to be essentially one organization at that point. And, yes. and so if you're going to do that, everybody asks, when do you cut off the bottom schools of those? You would re- you would reevaluate who belongs at that point, and that's where having good football would would give you a chance to get in there, and having bad yeah. football would get you at risk of being kicked out. Here's another factor that could could affect these things. I mean, because when people were wondering, you know, it's Big Ten going to go bigger or the SEC go bigger, at some point, someone always says, "Is there going to be a size that would then attract some legal scrutiny?" Of There's that collusion mm-hmm. and antitrust issues. So it is possible that that those types of concerns, which like the NCAA is already under that scrutiny right now. Yeah. We have a number of lawsuits looking at this stuff that that could be a deterrent, too, because that's part of yeah. what they're trying to guard against, that that these two leagues could merge. Although, let, let's just say like they let Ticketmaster, they let some of these airlines merge and do all this other stuff. But like that's the, the thinking that that maybe that could be a yeah. deterrent. I did want to play this clip for you guys because this is this came out last week. Uh, the David Sampson show is the the sports business show on the Dan Levitard show feed, and they had John Skipper on. Uh, John Skipper is the former president of ESPN. He runs the company that that owns uh, Levitard's feed now, and he said something interesting about the ACC, ACC and the Pac-12 that I had kind of dismissed this idea, but I'm an idiot. I didn't run ESPN. He did. So when he says it, I want to hear about it. And what's going on with the Pac-12 right now, who are basically on an island right now looking for someone to give them a decent media rights deal. Uh, And it appears as though right now the front runner is Apple, but we don't know uh, what what the status of that is. They're they're very secretive about the way that they negotiate. Uh, Fox and ESPN and the linear channels are not really interested in being big time investors in the Pac-12. And John Skipper, you might have a solution to both of these problems. Uh, I might, and I'm not certain that uh, ESPN is not interested in being in the Pac-12 business. I know it's been reported, but I'm not certain that's true. I think that uh, uh, the ACC should expand uh, or should merge with the Pac-12, which now has 10 teams. 
I would take eight of those teams, change my footprint, have a 24-team conference with a Western division, and their ACC network footprint would expand to the West Coast. You could probably force a renegotiation with ESPN for a new deal, and you could solve both problems. Uh, the ACC would get more money, expand its footprint, could compete with the SEC and the Big Ten. Wow. Interesting. I also agree with him when he says it doesn't sound like ESPN's out of it for the Pac-12. I, I do think they're very much in it because they got to have something at 1030 Eastern time, one way or the other. Uh, but I always thought that was just too unwieldy to do something like that. But what he's saying is because the ACC network has these distribution agreements, you would then get into California, Arizona, Washington, Oregon, and cable subscribers or, or people who have Sling or YouTube TV in those markets would then have to pay a dollar twenty a month versus forty cents a month. That's real money that still matters at this point. Now it may change as time goes on, but I, I still don't see how you would manage something like that. A giant twenty, maybe twenty five teams in other sports with Notre Dame. But I just thought the guy running ESPN says that, or the guy who used to run ESPN says that, you have to at least think about it a little bit. But isn't this a conversation that already happened? <laughs> like that, that we already it, did? It, it did happen, but, and, and, it, and it's probably, that was probably their first thought too. The people actually running ESPN probably said, well, let's talk about this. And, and then they probably came to the, some of the same conclusions that, that we just came to, like, how would you manage this? What would you do? And also, does it make more money than the current ACC deal? Because you're going to make more off the ACC network, but then you're going to have to pay that to the, the people you just added. So it doesn't give Clemson and Florida State more. It allows you to pay for Oregon and Washington. Hmm. I mean, I, I think I, that... Like the these things are interesting and compelling, and it's like a a stronger version of the the alliance, which didn't have these pieces, right? And it was just the handshake. Yeah, they wouldn't agreement. just be looking each other in the eyes. I mean, you're looking for actual new revenue streams <laughs> and visibility and all of these actual tangible things. Um, I I just I, I just don't know. I I'm with you where I just feel like that would be so unwieldy. And I know that we have a Big Ten now that goes to L.A. I know that we've heard Brett Yormark say that he wants the Big 12 in all four time zones, but that stuff is unwieldy. It's very hard. And it it's it becomes so much like what you were describing earlier, like this AFC, NFC. You're, you're organizing scheduling and, and kind of aligning things a certain way, but you're not a conference. It's not the same way right. it would essentially be two leagues that, that shared yeah it'd be two leagues that shared a for TV scheduling network. yeah i get scared it, thinking for, about it for football yeah i mean I, it I, scares like, me i don't like it i just am i one of the, am i getting old where i just don't want it to change too much um a little bit <laughs> but no i mean that's that's it's, it's not like uncomfortable thing no it, i just yeah. like it, but i here, do here, i have change well i'm i i i see i see what you're saying ari and like this is where i i feel it like, I don't want the Pac-12 to go away. I think it's better for college sports to have the Pac-12. I just, like, I, I, there I, needs I to be West Coast, there needs to be a West Coast wing of the sport. And this, what I worry about is if... A relevant West Coast wing right, of the sport. Right, exactly. Yeah. And what I worry about is if if another league were to just cherry pick and take what it wants from, and, and then lets the other ones sort of fall by the wayside, you don't really have a West Coast wing. You have a, a little bit on the West Coast with USC and UCLA then whoever would be in, let's say, if the Big 12 were to take a couple and, and the rest fall. Like, that's not really a West Coast wing. And, and, it, and you take a part of the country that already doesn't seem particularly interested in the sport and probably make it less interested. Because so. I, I also like am like, when it comes to the USC, UCLA move to the Big Ten, it's like, I do look forward to seeing USC and Michigan play, you know, like the new yeah. matchups, but, but like overall, I, overall, I can't stand it. Like I, I, I think it stinks it, it just like as a viewership weird. experience. Like I loved that there were pillars on the West coast that were like, I love that USC made the West coast relevant this year. 
I love that Oregon and USC were battling to own a conference the same way that the ACC teams are trying to battle Clemson to take it over again. You know, like it's, there is a certain conferences in general are all about geographical pride too. That's the reason why they yell sec at all the games. Cause it's a Southern pride thing. That just means more matters to everybody in that conference. But, but and when you strip the geography away from it because of television revenue, you're, you're poking the thing that we all love so much. But it's, it's, it's like, the problem well, that, that it doesn't mean more to them. Is that the basic problem? No, but uh, but uh, he's so the Pac-12. His you point mean? is yeah, yeah. But his point is is the one that I also feel, which is like there are regional ties that bind, and mm-hmm. so for the SEC, they care that the league itself is a strength, right? And that everyone believes that like if a, one of your rivals beats somebody in another league, that is a reflection right. on they, you they or whatever. Right? There's just like their, cultural. Their family is, yeah, their family is better than, than this other yes. family. And, and like, honestly, but, the entire but, premise but, of sports is based on geography. Like you root for yes. your favorite team because of the city on the, in front of it. Cause pro you can sports, see right? them. Yeah. And, and like part of the reason that like, there are lots of sports writers who are Atlanta Braves fans, right. Is because like that was, they could see it. They TBS. got it on TV. Yeah. It was on TBS. So it's it, but now that you can watch everything, or you can get league pass and follow all these teams, like you can root for teams that are not in your region. But there is like a uniqueness to each conference. That's why, like when you're describing the weirdness that's going to be USC and UCLA and the Big Ten, it's going to feel weird because it's been a traditionally a Midwestern conference. It has been jarring and weird for people to have Rutgers and Maryland and the East Coast as part of that footprint. Like there, there are these regional traditions and feels and and it just you like, it, need, it creates need, a balance we need vanini because you know what this is describing pro wrestling uh, i thought pro, pro yeah wrestling we, uh, went from regional promotions to getting they all got gobbled up by the elder vince mcmahon who then passed it on to the younger vince mcmahon and the wof which became the wwe why do you know that the I read, Ari. <laughs> I read. <laughs> I read books and I read magazine articles. And we but, need to save that as a drop so that every time Ari, you know, gets like a basic fact wrong or geography wrong or can't do math, it'd be the we whole just have show. Andy yeah. pop in and just be like, "I read." <laughs> every time we need to. I mean, drop. I read too. I don't read about wrestling. <laughs> what, well, what do you but, read about, Ari? Wait, I, yeah, I need yeah, to know. What, what are you reading? Uh, I read a lot about investing. That's good, right? I recommended a book to Ari that he really liked, the one about the Silk Road, right? I read about the, I read the Silk Road that Andy that was recommended. Good, I, I also rec- recently recommended Billion Dollar Whale, which is about Joe Lowe, the uh, the Malaysian guy who yeah essentially robbed the, the his government his government created a fund that he essentially robbed for billions of dollars. I read like under an the, international playboy. It's, it's Ari, a great Ari, story. you should read. I read Under the Banner read- of Heaven. Have you read that book? I no, read but that, you should but you should read good. the club, which is one that Andy and I read mm-hmm. because Greg Sankey recommended it, and it's we have someone in the comments pointing this out too. Like European soccer is also a very apt comparison for like understanding. Oh, I've heard very, that people yeah. read the club in order to try to understand what could happen in college football. It, it is um, the most yes. helpful thing. Are I've you read. rolling your eyes at us? He just rolled his eyes at Me? us. Me? No, also, I didn't roll. Nicole, I just like, I, I saw an I eye roll. I don't like reading about things that don't interest me. The authors of the club sent me their Messi versus Ronaldo book, by the way. And that's, I'm bringing that on spring break with me. Yeah. I'm excited. How come we were co-authors of that article and you get the freebie? Unbelievable. I can can mail it to you. That's the cool thing about books. More than one person could read the same one. Okay, Ari. (laughs) I mean, it's cool. Mr. Mr. Book. Mr. Reading over here. Yeah, I'm I, not Mr. Reading, but like I do read, but like Ari, I like listening I'm to murder you, podcasts. I'm telling you, Billion Dollar Whale, you need <laughs> yeah. to re- read that or get 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 the audiobook version of it. It's Does it's listening right to an audiobook count as reading, by the way? Yes. If you listen to an audiobook, Actually, do you, can you say I read that book? Uh, you shouldn't, but I you had can. this argument. I don't I counted it on my Goodreads. I listened to the Matthew McConaughey audiobook of his uh memoir well which you I have to, to, to hear TV. him say it yes. yeah yeah but i i did put that in my goodreads and counted it as a book last year so i think so i think yes i think they count as books all right good well you need to you need to listen about joe low then billion dollar whale i'm telling you it's great yeah yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna do it today we'll be right back after these words all right so our next question comes from grant and it's uh, 
Grant wanted to do a crossover college basketball, college football question, but it actually ties back to the beginning of the season. But it's, an, it's a very interesting question. So college basketball runs plenty of early season tournaments to buff up non-conference play. One of them is the Champions Classic attended annually by Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, and Michigan State. He didn't say this, but I'll say this. This is the one that always gets has between the two games a college football playoff release, a, rating, a rankings release. And Grant says, I love the game format, likely because my alma mater, Michigan State, is included, and at least a spicy top 10 early season matchups fairly regularly. Given that we're now in March, I would like to pay homage to college basketball in this mailbag. If you were to ch- in charge of setting up a Champions Classic for college football, who would be the four programs that you'd invite for the next, t- next five to 10 years? Inclusion of a program from the SEC, Big Ten, ACC, and Big 12, like the Basketball Champions Classic does, seems like a great strategy for national attention, but maybe the Pac-12 wants to play too. Debate in the comments always. This is a great question, and I would love to see this, where you just have like the same four superpowers, but you mix up who plays who in a, in a non-conference game every year. I wouldn't do it in the same place. I would do home and homes, but I love, I love this idea. Now, the requiring vers- various conferences, I, no, no, no. It's basically the people who put together the four-team C- CFP Design the one they would want the most. So Notre Dame would have to be in it. Well, Alabama, obviously, right? Yep. Ohio State. Um, Georgia. Ohio State. And then. I, oh, you well, can only pick one you, from the SEC or can I, I mean, just I scrap feel like that you, and just pick them? I think you you would want some regional balance, right? Like these are games. Like I think it has to be like Oregon, right? Or USC. Yeah. I think either one. Would work Although you're me. leaving, you're leaving a you know Texas or an Oklahoma out. I like it, like part of the reason the Champions Classic works is like these are four blue bloods and have won a million games and iconic coaches. So maybe that stuff needs to factor in as well. That's why like Alabama makes total sense. But some of the other stuff you're going brand or coaching like relatively new coach versus everything else as well. That's a tough yeah, one I mean, actually. The, if you can only pick four, you, you, yeah. I mean, in college basketball, the difference is you have like coaches versus cancer. You have the battle for Atlantis. You have other post or preseason tournaments that draw really good brand name schools as well. So in in that universe, a, there would be more of those. So we, we just got a comment from from Kevin who said, would the teams accept something like this? I'd be worried the decline to keep themselves away from a loss. This is something I'm going to be like screaming from the rooftops over the next couple of years. And I've, it's it's one of the reasons that I think. Nick Saban has been wrong in his talking points about the SEC schedule and all of these other pieces. You can have losses. Like we're going yes. into a world where you do not need to be perfect. You do not need to be unbeaten. People can oh, challenge themselves. You can play a harder schedule. Okay, sorry, Ari. I'm sorry, Ari. You can can't... lose. Everybody gets in. I'm sorry, Everybody Ari, has fun. A, a oh, Everybody gets in. A team can't I'm get lucky and have can... a weak draw and, and, and get to the national yes. title game. You're actually okay, going to have to be good to get Nobody's getting lucky in the there. national championship game, no, and you but know you it. Can Come on. Play, you can no, no, I said play... get to the national championship game. You can play these Name games Name one team that's and played for a penalized. national championship that's been lucky. TCU. Several well, months ago. They got lucky. <laughs> they did, yeah. But you weren't allowed to say that before. The it game. just yeah. happened, oh, Ari. Let's go. Let's go back. It's the only Literally time, two months. Two months. It's the only. T- oh, well, they didn't get lucky because of, of Ari would the regular would season schedule. They got lucky because of the seeding in the Ari, tournament. Ari would 2012 Notre Dame had played for the national title in a 12 team playoff. No. Okay. This is not. Mean? It's not the only. One that ever for made a it very that way. long time, this sport has been organized in a way. Playoff era, yeah. But that's but now in the playoff the era. This is we have to unwire this because for so long, going undefeated was the way to succeed at the highest right. level, and nobody did it then. Well, people went undefeated. No, I, I mean, know it was like one or two or three at most. Teams LSU a year. and Clemson went undefeated back to like Clemson went undefeated in 18 and LSU went undefeated No, I know what I'm saying. It's not like we have a Alabama went undefeated in 20 that go undefeated every year. <laughs> and it's like I think it's a lot easier too. You're going to see a lot of examples in the comments based on who got to the national championship game luckily. If it was still the BCS era, I'm all on board on that. But getting to the playoff, I don't think anybody's outscheduled their way because they were afraid to get in the playoff. Especially considering the fact that teams that usually win the national title in this era have a loss already. Many times I know, but that has not, the non-conference we, game. 
we have not seen like there will be a shift, especially if the SEC goes to a nine game conference schedule. We will all be more used to teams that have challenged themselves and maybe not won all their games or maybe they have more than one loss. This will change. And so I know you're going to hate it. Done a decade in advance. Some of it. Yeah. Even that's like, what that's we're saying. If we invent, that's why we would invent yeah. this new Champions Classic. But I do think people might play because people do like to have marquee games, at least one on their schedule in the mm-hmm. non-conference. We would also not be penalizing these teams that they lose them. They would still get some credit for going and scheduling this. This is like how basketball works in the net. It takes into consideration how good the team is, but also where the game is. And you get more credit for scheduling and more challenging. Nobody watches the shit. Because it's Nobody basketball. Nobody watches it. Nobody Ari, watches the preseason NFL Ari, either because it doesn't basketball. matter. No one cares. Ari, that's I don't want to watch a stakeless NFL. game. This is not a preseason game. This is a game. Everybody watches the NFL in week one. Does a team that loses in the NFL, are they done? Can they not win the Super Bowl? Do people stop watching? Yeah, Do people not the, watch the yeah. Do people yeah, not watch? We're going to have the uh, SEC 16, in the Big Ten, the AFC and the uh, NFC. We're going to have losses. We're making it into the NFL, and that's fine if that's what you want. The NFL is the most popular sport in the country. I know when we get that it on Sundays. That is what they want. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm on the. I don't want it to be like the NFL train. Oh no, two T four killing you at this one. Is that Eight true? Min- yes. <laughs> I mean, I watched yes. preseason, yeah. but it was it was it was people like you, Ari. That's. That's yeah. who watches well, I mean, preseason I, yeah. NFL. I, mean, I, I was uh, betting on spring training yesterday, so I understand. But <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know. But like the thing too is like there's been a lot of teams that have benefited from weaker conferences. So like Clemson, I think, has probably benefited and gone undefeated by playing in the ACC. I think there's been a lot of Oklahoma right. teams that had mm-hmm. really bad defenses that have ascended to the playoff. Because, but we're not talking about poor conference play. We're talking about teams uh, – Ducking other teams. I don't think anybody's going to duck anybody anymore. Is anybody ducking them now? Yeah. There's certain teams that don't want to play on the road, I guess. Michigan just ducks. UCLA. Michigan ducked UCLA. I know, but wasn't there a scheduling conflict because of that? Like, wasn't that a Big Ten? They're coming to the Big Ten reason or something? It wasn't because they didn't want to lose. That's Ohio State. That's the Ohio State Washington cancellation. That Uh, one was was important. So Michigan canceled the UCLA series because they were afraid of losing? No, but Ari, Ari, it's stuff like you know, scheduling FCS opponents. You're doing certain things on your schedule that you know are going to be wins. At least we're are not you, having this argument on are, a picks pod in think, season, guys. I'm just proud I wonder, of us. I, well, I just want to, are, are you, are you it's upset just an inability that there are going to be to, less FCS It's an inability to games. recognize my point that drives me crazy. Oh, we recognize like, I, your I, point. I, I, just, I recognize your it's point. It's just stupid. Yeah, I know. You, I'm you, stupid. You don't yeah. understand the concept of a net I game. <laughs> Yeah, we get your point. Michigan's playing Texas. Yeah, I mean, we get Still all. There's game. awesome non-conference games right now, and they matter more. That's good. They don't matter any differently. You will watch them the same way with a 12-team playoff that you watch them on the 14-team playoff. And our point is that maybe people will schedule more of them. Yeah, you, you're talking about the basketball ones. They don't watch. They don't watch them because they're basketball. You're going to watch Alabama and Ohio State play a non-conference football game because it's Alabama and Ohio State playing a football game. I know. Like, that's why you're going to watch it. <laughs> I know. All right. Let's move on to Joe's question. This is this is a fun one. Is it about the playoff expansion? Shockingly, no. Okay. <laughs> what movie football player would have had the wildest recruitment? Could be from either a pro or college team in his respective means. So this is not necessarily one where we saw the recruitment. This, is, this could be uh, a member of yeah. the team that Rudy joined or whatever. You could look at this in terms of, of a national following a la Arch Manning or unpredictability a la Peyton Bowen, et cetera. So hmm. I got to go. Well, first of all, I think we should expand this universe. It is the Friday before Selection Sunday, after all. Oh, you're going to do basketball, too? Jesus Shuttlesworth. He already had, won, then. It's over. Jesus Shuttle, Shuttlesworth had the wildest recruit. No, no, no. Had the wildest recruitment we have seen on screen. He, he definitely beats the Anthony Michael Hall character in Johnny B. Good. As the wildest athlete recruitment we've seen in the movie. We did not see any of the Space Jam characters get recruited. That's true. That that might be weirder. Well, no. Here's what I was thinking. Latimer from the program. Imagine his recruitment. Imagine Alvin Mack's recruitment. 
Guys, we you're got missing it. the whole thing. Okay. And I was going to say missing? Bobby Boucher. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Elias Gray. Because in of the, in, the mom. In the yeah. Imagine Nick Saban no visiting Bobby Boucher's uh, mom. Foosball. You guys imagine. <laughs> imagine the recruitment of uh, Billy Bob from Varsity Whoa, Blues. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's a good one. I give it a 10. A 10. I give it a 10. <laughs> oh, rest in peace, Billy Bob, by the way. Yeah. Gone Billy Bob. Soon. Or who was the who was the tweeter? Well, tweeter would tweeter would have gotten arrested. Tweeter yeah. was the slot receiver in varsity. Yeah, Blue. yeah, tweeter. He, he played He's by the Scott one that, like, would Smash yeah. beer bottles on his truck and stuff. Yes, yeah. he would have gotten arrested on his official visit for okay, sure. Okay, which reminds me, like Tim Riggins. Tweeter. Yes. Also, oh. yeah, but he would have just gone to Texas. Though. So. No, yeah, but, he wouldn't have gone to Texas. Where would he have you gone? He wouldn't be Texas Tech. Oh yeah. Why? Because yeah. he's like uh, he he's get- not a star, but he's just like a gritty player. Yeah, yeah. But he would he would own Lubbock. Yes, he would definitely own Lubbock. Where? Well, like where was the uh, Tim Riggins? Uh, the where is it located? Like roughly in Texas? Was it supposed well, to be Midland a, or Austin supposed or what? To be, it's Odessa. supposed to be Odessa. Yeah, because it, it's it's that's where Permian is. But it was but all the filmed show was in Austin. Not- but the yeah. show was was the show supposed to also be in the in the Midland? Dylan. Yeah, yeah. But I was Dylan so. Texas I mean, like supposed up. to be Midland? Yeah, Dylan was supposed Odessa? to be like a, a West Texas town, but they filmed it in Pflugerville. So if you know your Texas geography, it didn't look right. Pflugerville is a is an Austin suburb. I'm actually writing about the quarterback who committed to Purdue, and he goes to Midland uh, Legacy, which is Midland Lee, which is okay, the wait. opponent of Permian. Yes, I've got I've got another one. Rod okay. Tidwell. Whoa! Yes, <laughs> Rod Tidwell in an NIL era. Show me the money. <laughs> what is college visits? Oh my god, that would have been amazing. Yes. See, this is the thing. You just now you have to get you have to go through every sports movie and figure out those characters. Like Rick Wild Thing Vaughn getting recruited for baseball. What about Willie Beeman? Oh, <laughs> Willie Beeman's definitely taking all five <laughs> official visits. He is, he is, he's not signing till February. Like there, there's going to be high, high drama. You know who would have a really crazy recruitment would be Paul Crew. Oh yeah, well he went to prison. Could you imagine? T- <laughs> Eventually, yeah. What <laughs> Paul Crew, a former college player who went to, I can't remember. He, he was he. I don't I don't, I don't remember the, the, the original plot. one. The original one, but he got a DUI in the. That's remake. what it was. That's what it was. I I would watch spinoffs of like every Remember the Titans character. Yeah, like Donald Faison's probably getting recruited, but they have questions about like why did it take you so long to beat this guy out? He's clearly not any good. Yeah. 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 No, that's fair. So man, this is great. Now, the the whole varsity blues thing, like. This reminds me of on Twitter when uh, Chris Ricks reached out to to remind all of us that Lance Harbor losing his scholarship allowed Chris Ricks to sign with Florida State. Like, if you look at the timing of it, it's exactly what happened. Like, <laughs> Lance Harbor loses his scholarship, they got an opening, and they signed Chris Ricks. Do you you guys have seen Fast Times at Richmond High or no? Of course. Uh, the linebacker, oh, uh, 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 for, uh, Jefferson was his name. Jefferson, yeah, that's right. Can you imagine how he'd be a five star linebacker? Well, he already he already he had like, the Trans Am. <laughs> yeah, he did. So they already showed in the in the movie that he had been improperly recruited. Oh yeah, I think he was, but he was improperly recruited to go to Ridgemont High, right? <laughs> yeah, he had the he had the Trans Am. That's yeah. Funny. He would he would have had a lot of demands. And I, I think probably his official visit would have been pretty nuts. But no, the Tweeter official visit. The Tweeter and Billy Bob, like that. That's who in Varsity Blues decides they're a package deal. Is that tweet? That's Tweeter and Billy Bob, right? Yeah. Like you gotta, you gotta get my boy a yeah. An a, pa- offer too. a package deal would definitely help for this for the story purposes. I've always wanted um, to uh, to sit on the bed of a truck in West Texas and drink beer and then throw the beer bottle up into the air and shoot it with a shotgun. <laughs> Ari, I cannot I like picture be like you a, doing. You're an eight hour drive that. away from that happening in real life, Ari. All you just, just get in the, I wanted get to on pitch I-20. going to, 
Get an I-20 and, story, but and I head west. It's been worth the expense. Uh, but there's one other one um, that we haven't mentioned that I think we have to mention. Okay. Forrest Gump would have had a really weird recruitment. That's true. <laughs> I like that one. That one might. That one would be would be extremely unpredictable. Are we to believe that Forrest Gump was a walk-on? That's what. There's no way he's a scholarship guy. I mean, we knew he could run. Yeah, specialist. Yeah. I don't know if Bear Bryant would have given him a scholarly though. What about the Auburn? There was the no Auburn Alabama back then. Well, no, exactly, exactly. They probably put Forrest on a swim scholarship or something. But how did you know? What did Auburn do? Did they offer anything? Did they even try? It, it didn't seem like Auburn was in the mix there. I find that very difficult to believe. Auburn had to have tried. How we'll never know. Well, we know he's not. A, we know he's <laughs> we'll not. Never a, know. I mean, we know he's not a walk-on. Man, this is that was a great question. I I read it and I liked it, but I didn't think I quite fully appreciated it yet. But yeah, the Joe Kane from Necessary Roughness, or I'm sorry for from uh, the program, the Necessary Roughness. I want to know about Andre Krim's recruitment, like. The Sinbad character who winds up being a professor. Like, is he trying to get away from the bars so that he can see what the chem lab looks like? You know, there's one other one, too. Okay. He hadn't grown up yet, but I bet he turned into a great player. What about Rashid Hot Hands Hannon? He's the, <laughs> yes. the kid with from Little Giants. Yes. That- <laughs> he had some what real about the ice box. <laughs> the ice what? box. Yeah. yeah. Ice, it's Spike. Spike's recruitment. <laughs> Yeah, there's carrying some good ones. refrigerator around. Yeah, basically uh, any character from Little Giants. I like that. I do. I do think <laughs> Vaughn. Look what Forrest Mom did just to get him into grade school. Oh Lord. <laughs> <laughs> that I think that dovetails with a real SEC recruiting story. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah. All right. What about what about what about Airbud the football edition? <laughs> yeah, like Airbud the golden someone receiver. Someone would hundred yes. percent. Lane Kiffin would offer Airbud. Well, Lane Kiffin's got a dog on scholarship right now, apparently. So. I know. Juice Kiffin. So, he would, yeah. He would be recruiting Airbud. 100%. We should do a, a, a ranking of at one point. Um, oh, Andy, I had an idea for a random ranking, and Nicole, okay. maybe you'll come back next week and do it with us. But All right. a random ranking of things that you can do as an adult that would piss your parents off when you were a kid. Oh, kind Ooh, of. I like that. You know, you know what made okay. me think about that? And I, I was driving the other day. And it was like 71 degrees outside and I blast my air conditioning Mm -hmm. full blast with the windows down and the sunroof (laughs) open. Like, I know if I was 12, that wasn't happening. I was like, this would be a good random ranking of things that you can do now that never would have flown back in the day. I am. I am totally in now. But another random ranking of best fictional coaches. Like, who do you think was the best coach? A combination of a combination of Jonathan Moxon and Lance Harbor post mutiny. That is the best fictional football coach. Post mutiny, <laughs> they, inv- they invented Harbor the spread was- offense. <laughs> I tweeted that, by I- the way, and and somebody got really mad at me in the replies. Like, how could you say that? Texas offense, high schools were already running spread offenses when that movie came out. I'm like, like, can you can you relax, dude? Chill. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, want somebody to spike the spike the clock by throwing the a football at the side of a ref's face. <laughs> this is beautiful. Or or knock the mascot off of his horse with a pass. Yeah, yeah, with a pass. Yeah. Listen, we we've got we got a lot to talk about. We actually need to figure out. Also, it's the off season. We we we've done all the football movies. We're going to have to figure out what, what we can do as rewatchables. We also need to figure out games we want to do rewatchables on because everybody loved that last year. We picked some really cool games. We still haven't done the kick six. Uh, one that I've gotten requests for, and I think, Ari, you and I were both at this game. Nicole, I don't know if you – I think you were covering college basketball at the time. The uh, the Ohio State-Wisconsin game in 2010, J.J. Watt, Terrell Pryor. Mm-hmm. That was a really good one. Um but if anybody's got suggestions for those games that we can do during the offseason, it's so much fun to go back and rewatch those. Those episodes were awesome last year. That was some of the most fun I had on this show. So uh, 
we need to start thinking about those. And you, the listeners, also think about them. Hit us up. Let us know what you want. And uh, in movies, we, we also, I mean, do we do we veer off out of the football? Because we've done the football movies. Do we do we veer off into other classic sports movies? Yes. Okay. Yes. I'm in for all of those. I love sports movies. Beautiful. There hasn't Beautiful. been a good fo- a football movie in a while. I think we need another one. It's so I I actually have learned why the the reason why so Mark Ellis is the guy who coordinates the sports scenes in sports movies. Mm-hmm. He's a former Appalachian State quarterback. His brother was is Todd Ellis, who was a South Carolina quarterback. He's the voice of the Gamecocks now. So Mark explained when I was talking to him a little while ago about Varsity Blues because he worked on that one. He said that there's no inter- international market for American football movies because obviously they don't care about American football. So you have these really expensive movies to make because you have to get all these special ability extras. You have to have uniforms. You have to film all these very difficult scenes to film of, of game action. And then you can't sell it to other countries. So there was one of so, the. So, hey. Throw in a comic book movie instead, bam! <laughs> and everybody well, can watch it. Yeah, yeah. They sell billions of dollars internationally. But yeah. there's, um, there was a there was a a football movie recently that they filmed at the Clemson game. I was covering it with Grace, and we yes. watched them go run out, film something during halftime, and then run off the field. I yeah. watched that movie. It was it was good. It was the uh, it was the player who had to adopt who adopted his brother and raised him. Safety is that the name? Safety, yes. Safety. It's, it's a very they did that and, at Ohio Stadium too. I, I remember know. when that. Story I think that's happened. how they have to film those types of movies. But there's a lot of great baseball movies. Um, I love Miracle. I, I'll I'll be with you guys for these. Major, if they made Major League right now, would people not watch it? Oh my god, I would watch it. I'll just go watch the original a hundred more times. That might I that might be my favorite sports movie of all time. It really it's hilarious. I, I loved I loved Rookie of the Year so much and the idea that like you could just be injured into becoming a major yes. league pitcher so much. I loved that. I watched that in the theater. I watched Rookie of the Year and Angels in the Outfield in the Angels theater. Angels in the Outfield. I mean, Little Big League great. also doesn't get a lot of credit, but it Little Big League's outstanding. It's an incredible. Can movie. we do can, Did you guys do Little Giants? We didn't. We need to we'll Can we do, do that Giants. at least? Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I mean, would like to be on for listen, that. Listen, Rick Moranis and Ed O'Neill, come on. Becky Icebox was like my dream. She was my I mean, idol that, growing that up. That movie is the reason why a lot of people when I grew up with became Cowboys fans. Those uniforms in that movie, the Thanksgiving ones with the stars on the shoulder. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Those they were clean. Yeah. You know, we, we might be able. Uh, Devin Sawa follows me on Twitter. We might be able to get him to join us and discuss. What? Junior Floyd follows me on Twitter. This beats the hell out of Melissa Joan Hart following me on Twitter. She follows everybody. Is that, is that your be- Oh, boo. Hey, don't take this away from him. <laughs> you know who follows me on Twitter is uh, Richard Lewis. Uh, oh, yeah. That's Kirby right. Enthusiasm because he's a big okay. Ohio State guy. And, and anything tried, but love with Jamie Lee Curtis. And I tried to get him on uh, four to six with A&B with Landis and he like agreed to it. But then he told me he was like, like his character in the show Curb Your Enthusiasm is like who he is as a person. I think we should try to get Junior Floyd on. He can talk yes, about throwing 100%. those to, those toilet paper roll touchdowns. We can we can ask him a lot of questions. I think we've that's had, Junior Floyd a very attractive play. man now. I'm sure he's he is. still in a bunch of stuff. He was in Hacks yeah. last season of Hacks. That was a great show, or great is show. It a great show? I know that it's coming back. Um, but yeah, we we've had we've had Alvin Mack on the show, Dwayne Davis, because his son Wyatt was a an offensive lineman yeah, at, Ohio he played State. at Ohio State. So. We, Let's we, do it. These yeah. are off, these are good off season goals for us. This Woo! guy who Love this it. guy who played Junior Floyd was the quintessential part down the middle blonde '90s yep. heartthrob that he, you could possibly imagine. He, he was. He was also Casper the Friendly Ghost. It's like he was? everything around that time. Yeah, he he was an Idle Hands and Final Destination too. Like he. He, he's Ari's a tour becoming of the more 90s. impressed. <laughs> Ari's becoming more and more impressed the more he. How's it going to say? I'm going to go DM Rick Moranis to try to get one up you. I don't think I could. <laughs> <laughs> he's been on the Magnum PI reboot. Oh boy, guys, this, this is, will be Nicole, an off-season goal. Yep, we're going to work on it. Somebody, I'll work. Can somebody just get Lila Garrity to follow me. That's all I want. Is that that's Minka Kelly? Yeah. Yes. We'll just, see what we can do. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll talk we'll about like that. teenage years. Or twenties crushes that can you've follow seen. Me on I was Twitter. like, that was not that long ago. So, Ari, Ari, you've seen five hundred really days of summer, ago. I hope, right? Yeah, 
Okay, good. I'm glad that that makes me happy. I'm, I'm sure you enjoyed the last five minutes of that movie a whole lot. So I think that's a good time to leave now. That is. I'm going on vacation. <laughs> I will see you guys in a while. Ari and Nicole will have you, and they will take good care of you next week. Enjoy the first week of the NCAA tournament. I'll be on a boat enjoying it with a drink in my hand. Talk to you soon.